0: And enjoy the podcast. And welcome back to the Black Psychologist Podcast, episode 22. Thank you for listening, watching, subscribing, supporting. Uh, I am one half of your humble and gracious host and clinician here for your listening pleasure, Dr. Kyle Osborne. And of course, I am never here by myself, I'm here with. He's not a bad guy. He's not a good guy. He's the guy. <laughs> you hear me? I'm talking about none other than Dr. Jason Coleman. How are you, good, brother?
1: I'm good, bro. How you feeling this week,
0: man? Hey, man, it's the top of the week, you know. I'm I'm, I'm cool and getting through it. Gonna make it get done, you know?
1: No, I could dig it, man. Long weekend, good
0: weekend, though.
1: You yeah. know? Um, Got some rest, definitely some self-care at end, so... You know, ready to get back at it.
0: That's right. And uh, before we uh we get into things, want to make sure again, appreciate everybody watching and um and subscribing. Uh, definitely have to point out that you know, Doctor Jay and I are k- taking our act on the road. We've been uh, invited to speak at a uh, at a NAMI uh, forum virtual event that'll be coming up this Wednesday. So you check out um you know our social media platforms. We've been advertising that, and so we're going to be talking about uh, racial trauma as it is a public health emergency. So, uh, seven o'clock on Wednesday, July 21st, again, we'll be advertising the hell out of that event. So, um, come, come see your boys, come see us do and inform and talk about, you know, what we have been experiencing for decades and generations, um, and how it's impacting how we're going forward and everything. So, um, yeah, that'll be on the 21st at 7 PM virtual event uh, with NAMI. So come, come check us out.
1: Yeah, that should be interesting. Um, definitely appreciate, you know, the support and being invited to that event. Um, so yeah, hopefully everybody gets to check it out.
0: Absolutely. So, really quick, um, did want to give a quick shout out. All right, so, so real, I'm trying to make this uh, as short as possible, Jay. So, one of our fans, um, a colleague of mine, Sarah. She's at the practice that um I'm also a part of. She's uh, one of my one of the therapists and counselors, and she's an amazing dance and movement therapist, also. So, she just recently moved to Chicago, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's Chicago, but Sarah, don't get mad at me if I get the city wrong. All right, so her and her partner Mike were um a month or so ago, moving to Chicago from the Philly area and they're big fans of the podcast, right? So they listened to the podcast all the way through while they were watching. I mean, while they were moving. And so she told me recently that, uh, they were at a, um, they were having some gathering, And Mike was actually promoting and talking about our podcast to like some of his friends and other people and stuff like he's just going off about it and just ranting, ranting and raving about it. Shout
1: out. Shout out to Mike. Yeah. Shout shout out out to Mike. Mike.
0: That's right. So I told him I was going to give him a shout out and acknowledgement. So shout out to Mike. We appreciate the love and support and uh, spreading the word.
1: Definitely. That's important. Um, You know, that definitely means a lot. So definitely appreciate all the support. Um, Anybody that listens. Appreciate it.
0: All right. So let's get into it, Jay. Um, So it's um, NBA finals time. All right. You've been watching.
1: Yeah, I've been watching, man. Uh, The Bucs surprising a lot of people, bro. You know, we had them buried. A lot of people had them buried, man.
0: We did. We did, man. So um, you know, we'll see what happens with the next two games. Um, you know, we're just watching as fans. Like you said, we're hopefully it, it stays competitive and we'll see what the Bucks do. We'll see if CP3 can rebound and you know, create a legend for himself. And um, you know, your team's not in, my team's not in. And uh but you know who else isn't there at the finals? Rachel Nichols. Right. Rachel Nichols right, right, right. is not there. All right and we're going to get into why okay so for some for those of us that uh aren't familiar with rachel nichols she is an espn journalist and recently there was a video that came out um involving uh rachel nichols and uh, some comments that she made last summer during when the um uh the nba was in the in the bubble and um in orlando so this video of of nichols was recorded in her hotel room last summer during the nba you know pandemic shortened season in disney world uh last july um and what took place is that while she was on the camera the the feedback that was going back to the espn offices over there in bristol connecticut and those are their headquarters she was overheard complaining to uh lebron james's political advisor his name is adam mendelson And that uh, she was complaining to Adam that her contract, including hosting duties for the NBA Finals pregame show and that job that was now set to go to Maria Taylor, who is an African-American journalist and sports reporter who also works for ESPN. So I'm going to read her um, what she was recorded saying. Um, She says, I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy long time record on diversity, which by the way I know personally from the female side of it, like go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not gonna find it from me or taking my thing away. Which, you know, so that sounds like a backhanded compliment. You know, as we're suggested that uh, you know that Maria Taylor didn't earn her role uh, mm-hmm. or the right to be the host of the NBA Finals. All right, so. All of this fallout came out. I think it was released through a New York Times um, article that came out. And, you know, shit hit the fan. And uh, she so she then released an apology um, on her long term. I mean, her, her long time running afternoon TV show that she hosts called The Jump. All right. And on that afternoon, she began with a brief apology and she said, I don't want to let this moment pass without saying how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those that I hurt, partic- particularly Maria Taylor. What are your thoughts about that, Jen?
1: Um, I mean, listen, it's it, listen. This is one of those things where there's several issues, right? I think one is obvious because. The first thought. Right. The, and and obviously, this is we, we've we seen it, we see this play out because we listen to the tape. Right. Mm-hmm. So her first thought when talking to a colleague who also happens to be white, you know, is that, you know, Miss Taylor got the job or got the assignment over her because of her race. Right. So there is no talk of merit. There's no talk of even nepotism. There's no, there's no talk of, you know, her work ethic, any of that. It's just immediately, okay, Um, a black person has the job, you know, so it must be because of her race, right? And if you think of the audacity, right, that she really has, because when she's talking about it, she said, if you want to go the diversity angle, go for it, right? So think about her level of privilege, right? Because maybe they put, if we were thinking the way Rachel Nichols thinks, right? then maybe they put Maria Teller in that position according to how Rachel Nichols thinks because she was a woman, right? Mm. But she didn't even go there. She she dismissed that and, and brought it immediately to race because her privilege allows her to immediately think that if it would be a woman, it would be this woman, right? Her. Right? It would have to be her or else it couldn't have been because she has to be the woman or else it's race. Right? right? So I think that's one thing that is going to annoy people, right? I think the second thing that's going to annoy people is you have two white colleagues, right? They both become extremely wealthy off working in an industry that's 75% African-American and Black, right? That's been made famous by Black African-American athletes, right? And between themselves, they have enough comfort to be dismissive. I'm not going to comment on the Me Too Kind of just her because it that just kind of makes her look foolish, right? Because it, it, but um, in terms of the Black Lives Matter, to have two white colleagues who work in the NBA, right, who have fed their families off the NBA, gotten rich off the NBA, right? Rachel Nichols would love to have, uh, would take every opportunity she can to interview LeBron James, right? Praise him and tell him how great he is, right? Um, But I bet she'll never tell him that she's tired of hearing um, or exhausted about hearing about saving Black lives, right? Mm-hmm. Or that she will listen to somebody else be dismissive of Black lives, because that's what we're talking about, right? Um, and laugh about it, right? And, and if we're being honest, this is why a lot of Black people are so skeptical or hesitant to trust white people, right? Even when they have good relationships with them in the workplace, at school, different places, because in the back of our minds, A lot of us, not all of us, you know, Okay, when you are alone, not only will you not advocate for me because I don't need you to advocate for me, you know what I mean? But you'll condone racist tropes, racist remarks, things like that. Mm -hmm. So those two points, I think, are the reasons why a lot of people would have a problem with Rachel Nichols' statement and her apology was just as ridiculous. So that's what I have to say about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm going to echo a little bit of what you said, because for the reason that, like, I'm not sure if it was the entitlement or the horrible attempt to suggest, like, reverse racism for this for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like. Nichols, I mean, for me, it really lost a, like any sense of respect or dignity as far because as, it's almost like you're going on a, a small rant against a black woman who isn't even checking for you. Right. Like Maria Taylor hasn't done anything (laughs) for you, you know. And, you know, you then you put out, like, of course, after the blowback and all the things are happening, you put out this uh, you know, you put out this apology. But again, by that time, the damage has already been done. And like you said, like the audacity that you have these two wipe individuals that they thought it was okay for you to sound off like during a month, and you just you mentioned it, right? This is during you're in the heat of the Black Lives Matter. This racial uprising that's taking place and you're like in the in the heat of it and then you're still continue to go on it is like like you said they're working in rachel nichols interviews and works with black athletes all the time adam is he advises like one of the most outspoken you know black public figures of the generation we're talking about in lebron james right and it's like that. just like you said, it just goes to show you that, unfortunately, at times, all the white admiration that um, for black, for, you know, for black people, for athletes or what have you is sometimes a facade. And, you know, it's a situation where, you know, this is why people have their guard up, like you mentioned. You know, it's a situation. And this is a, a fear. This is a real fear that especially African-American women have, like in the workplace, like you mentioned, could say, hey, you know what? You know, you're talking about all this racial inclusion. You have this woke mask on, but in private, you know, that comes off and your division. It just goes straight to racial minorities and particularly African-American women. So and I think this also what I didn't like about it was that the person that I don't want to use the word leak, but made this uh, recording aware. Right. Or made it public was an African-American employee. And she was punished for the incident um, and there was no action that was taken against, you know, Rachel Nichols for insulting the black talent. Right. So you Mm -hmm. suspend. I I think the the person uh, like the audio engineer or whoever um, who released the recording, she was suspended two weeks with, you know, without pay. And so you're going to punish her for making it, you know, present, making people aware, but you're not going to punish the person. Who actually made the comments? Because Rachel Nichols, only thing is that she didn't, she wasn't uh, covering the NBA finals, but she still had her jump, right? She didn't, yeah. they didn't miss a day. Maybe, maybe it might have been one day that they didn't air it, but she was right back on there. And so, you know, another thing that, that kind of stuck out to me was that how she tried to compare, you know, the white female experience to the, you know, to the black female experience of discrimination you know I mean so, listen you know it was a lot of things a lot of multi layers of these issues that was you know wrong with that statement
1: it, yeah i mean um listen all i can say is that um adam is lebron james's business manager right
0: yeah it's like his advisor or something like right.
1: that right so hopefully lebron james can have a conversation with him and help him to understand that because see well, this is one of the things right and i'm being sarcastic This is one of the things that makes black people very annoyed, right? Is when white people say that they're exhausted, right? For white people to say that they're exhausted with hearing about Black Lives Matter is insulting. It's not surprising, but it's very insulting and it's absurd, right? Because it almost, obviously it minimizes the whole movement but, but we cannot take this off, right? This isn't a uniform, right? We live in this. So if they're that exhausted after a year and a half, how exhausted do you think we are? Right? But Adam is exhausted because he's tired of the tweets and answering questions and maybe he's tired of looking at Black Lives Matter on the basketball court. Right? He ain't going to never be tired of LeBron James since signing those checks, though. Right? Um, so, gotta, again, we got gotta gotta l-
0: to... It's got to be real. It's got to be really tough for him.
1: Right. So we got to be... I mean, again, the hypocrisy is real, right? Um, and to be a fly on the wall in their next business meeting or their, their next private moment in terms of him and LeBron James, I would, I would give a lot to be a part of that. But that's all I would say, you know. Um, obviously, it's insulting when white people say they're exhausted. When we're talking about a, move, a, a movement that's literally trying to bring awareness to Black people being killed unarmed in the street and you're exhausted after two years, right? <laughs> I mean, it's laughable, but and, that's all I got to say about that.
0: And you know, this also speaks volumes about ESPN, right? Because, we, you know, we have to also shine a light on them in the sense of this is most likely a systemic issue. So you have to look at, and I'm not gonna sit here and be a hypocrite and say, I don't watch ESPN because I do, you know, watch mm-hmm. it for years. However, I do feel like there's some responsibility on their end also because i feel like this is a reflection of the culture that was created by espn management you know and i know that espn has a consistent history with undervaluing black talent or getting rid of black journalists that tend to speak out right they'll collect like these different black faces but when it seems like some of those black faces or some of that talent start to raise issue then it's a problem right so i'm talking about like jamel hill i'm talking about michael smith Group. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones we don't see them anymore, or they were either bought out or they were fired for speaking against the grain. As soon as you start talking about race, then it's a different issue. So that's why I feel like again, someone is being punished for making something aware about an issue that affects her, right? Because you have to think about you have to think about this employee because that whatever um Rachel is continuing to say, even though it's not being aired, it's still being you know, sent back to the offices where you may have right. other black employees. So right. this employee obviously felt offended enough to the extent where she's like, no, somebody needs to know about this because she's right. hearing this and she's hearing about someone talk about her, you know, colleague and black counterpart. So yeah, she made it aware. And now she, unfortunately, that employee was punished. So, you know, again, I ESPN and whatever in their history, also it has to have, Assume this some responsibility also. But I will say this um before we finish up, I do like Maria Taylor's. I like her tweet. I like her reaction um because it was very professional, very classy. Uh so a couple days after everything came out, Maria Taylor said, uh, she tweeted During the dark times, I always remember that I am in this position to open doors and light the path that others walk down. I've taken some punches, but that just means I'm still in the fight. Remember to lift as you climb and always keep rising. All right, you know what I'm so, saying. I like the way she handled herself. So, uh we'll see. You know, I think Maria is at currently is um uh, entertaining some offers from like NBC and some other different sports organizations and channels and networks. So, um, you know, more power to her. So we'll see. We'll see how things work out.
1: That's what's up. Good luck to that. Yeah. Good luck yes, to. Her. All
0: right. So, staying in the sports realm. All right. And I have to give credit when due. My daughter pointed this um, this story out to me. So she said I had to shout her out and, and give her credit or she was going to stop <laughs> listening and she was going to go on a whole smear campaign. All right. So, um, so she brought this to my attention about uh, Soul Cap. OK, so Soul Cap, um, which is a swimming cap company, which is designed for swimmers that have long, thick Uh, And Volmshum's hair has been banned for the use by the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. All right. So the International Swimming Federation said the caps made by the black-owned British company Brand Soul Cap, they quote unquote, do not fit the natural form of the head, and to their best knowledge, the athletes competing in the international events never use neither require (laughs) caps of such size and configuration. Okay, so. (laughs) uh so right off the bat man like this just shows just blatantly misunderstanding and ignorance man like this is you know when you to see soul cap come out with a hat that actually helps black swimmers but then to be told like yeah we don't want you to use that that's just terrible man uh what, what was your take on this
1: i mean obviously it's, it's very dismissive you know <laughs> of of everybody who has kinky hair. Um it's gonna obviously it's gonna discourage um, younger people, you know, who might have dreadlocks, who might have braids, who might have longer kind of thicker hair from pursuing the sport, right. So on the other end, it's it, it may not be you know um, the end-all be all, but we can't on the other end we can't turn around and say, oh, where's the uh, young black swimmers, right? Um, if they gotta cut off all their hair to get in the, to get in the damn pool. Um. So it's dismissive. Um, obviously, it's them, you know, operating from, um, you know, their position of privilege, you know, um, International Swimming Federation. I don't want to call it a Eurocentric um, position of privilege, but, you know, you I, I would it.
0: call it. What it I would,
1: yeah, I mean, I would be comfortable saying that. I mean, again. Me, obviously I have long hair, I got dreads. I've experienced this issue, I mean now, right? Like I gotta go online and like look to find like a swimming cap, you know, that'll fit over my head, right? Um, first of all, it's crazy and absurd because there's no way anybody could convince me that it's gonna make you faster in the water, right? So so that's out the window, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm just saying that because of what we just went through you know, uh, what the, what Richardson, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, what does marijuana make you faster? Right. Right. So we know the swimming cap, the bigger swimming cap is not going to make you faster. Um, so again, what, what could be the reason, right. It seems like the company did their due diligence. They consulted with the first African-American swimmer to represent great Britain in the game. So this isn't an amateur person, you know, um, and obviously they're trying to fill a niche, right. Uh, communities of color, minority swim, swimmers that might have a different texture of hair. Um, so they just don't care, right? But it fits into, the again, the larger context of, you know, like the article was talking about, bans on black hair, right? Um, and it's like other similar situations in the workplace. Until somebody calls them out, until they're publicly shamed and embarrassed, until someone sues them, if they can be sued, they're not going to change the policy. Why? Because in their mind, they probably don't look at, you know, black swimmers as adding anything. We're just being honest. You you understand? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised, um, but it's just one more thing that we're going to have to fight for, right? Um, and one more thing for people to be annoyed about. But it's good trouble.
0: Yeah, it's... Um, I always find it laughable when you see, like, these public service announcements that the Olympics or, like, these, uh, these swimming organizations put out right where they're trying to do like inclusion and they put out you know they try to put you know all these figures and say oh well we welcome we're trying to go in the community we're trying to go and all the nah because this this move here is counterintuitive to what you know all these PSAs and things that you're that you're putting out because it's you know if the official swimming bodies are if you're talking about representation and you're talking about going to the communities and trying to find out what the barriers are that are preventing us or the black community from engaging, this is it, right? Hair is a significant issue in our for our community. And now it just feels like you just put up another barrier. And right. so you know, like you said, Soul Cap do they did their due diligence, right? They recognize a serious issue within the black community as it pertains to swimming. So this would be a good way for it to be more you know included and they're doing what they're doing is that they're dispelling the myth that swimming equipment cannot be inclusive right hair is an issue like you said if you got to cut your hair or you have to do all these other different measures like people aren't going to do it like first, these little small swim caps you, gotta, you know you gotta make sure your hair is either braided or that it can actually fit in these little small s- swim caps and you know worry about not getting wet washing the chlorine out combing it out like all of this is very time consuming and yeah. You know, this is a deterrent for black girls to want to participate in swimming. So, you know, I just I just find it just like the hypocrisy is just amazing at times for, you know, say one thing and then you have a company that did what they're supposed to do and. It's just completely disregarded.
1: The one thing I'll say, because I don't have much more to say on this, but the one thing I'll say is, is just ironic, right? Because usually we see the opposite from my experience is usually we see like the companies coming out with a product that's geared toward like one group of people, you know? So usually what I would expect to see is, is the swim cap company, right? Being asked about, you know, making other types of caps and then being like, well, you know, most of the swimmers making this statement. Right. But that's not what we see. We have a new company stepping up trying to be more inclusive. And then you have the governing body saying, oh no, we're gonna reinforce the uh, uh, bullshit traditions that don't mean anything, right? And this is the problem that a lot of African-American and people of color have with a lot of things, period, right? Is that individuals like to cling to tradition for no other reason, except they like things to be homogenous. (laughs) They like like things to be always to be the same, right? Mm -hmm. For no other reason, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times with these traditions, We weren't included when when a lot of these when a lot of these games and traditions or whatever were put together. Right. So we're pushing back now, you know, and people are upset because things have to change a little bit. Right. Um, Or because they'd be afraid of being called racist or being judged instead of just making the change that they know is appropriate. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you know, change is uncomfortable and uh, it takes effort. And, uh, you know, a lot of organizations don't like that. And, you know, overall, most people want to be involved in a sport that makes them feel included. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's, there's only so much that grassroots and even small companies like soul cap, um, that they, they can do right. We need, like you said, the organizations or these federations or what have you to be receptive to the positive change. And until that happens, we're gonna be spinning the wheels. We're gonna keep running into the same issue. So um yep. we'll see. I did hear or I did uh read that um it is up for review. So I mean the Olympics start like at the end of the week, I believe. So I don't know. Hopefully, you know, um they make some progress this this time around, but if not, um, they continue to address like you said, this is this is um this is good noise, right? Because this needs to be a yep. so, We'll see, good brother. We will see. All right. All right. So, staying with the pop culture entertainment industry, okay? um, Hazley. All right. So, Hazley um, has recently been talking about... Uh, is that her
1: name? Hazley or is it Halsey?
0: You I know don't what, know. Bro, I'm not even going You know what? I'm probably going to get killed out here for that shit. I'm going to be yeah, honest. I, I I
1: don't know. <laughs> I wrote, down, you
0: know, I wrote down Halsey. It probably Halsey. is Halsey. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not a fan. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with her music. I'm gonna be completely okay. honest. I like to think that I'm pretty cool. That I'm pretty hip. I'm. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yo, you, know? you
1: just. Yo, you just said hip on a podcast in 2021. That's yeah. all right because I'm bringing it head.
0: back. I'm bringing it you're back, Jay. They're gonna bring be it saying, bringing it bring it's back, back. It's gonna come full it. circle. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. You'll be like, bring yeah, Kyle was right. <laughs> so all right so we're gonna halsey is that her name halsey 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 all right so halsey Mm -hmm. um a singer um is reflecting on how being white passing means that she's not susceptible to violence so recently um halsey who is biracial um she's 25 years old and she's the daughter of a white mother and a black father she had uh sent a tweet earlier this summer and it says i'm white passing um it's not my place to say we it's it's my place to help i'm in pain for my family but nobody is going to kill me based off my skin color i've always been proud of who i am but it'd be an absolute disservice to say we when i'm not susceptible uh to the same violence and so that was that was in response to uh tweets when someone said that she doesn't own or um you know, advocate or make knowledge of her, uh, of her African-American roots. So mm-hmm. uh, what was your take on this, Jay?
1: Um, well, first of all, she's from New Jersey. So mm-hmm. shout out to her. There you but go. I, um, I don't know. I looked at it a bunch of ways. Because see, this is the thing. I, number one, I think the context is important, right? right? The person tweeted at her, accusing her of not claiming her black side, right? Which is ignorant and crazy, because if they don't know her personally, you can't really make that statement. Plus, I'm going to be very honest in reading this article, everything about her history kind of says the opposite. Right. So it leads me to believe that they were probably just judging her based off, you know, her phenotypic uh, appearance. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. And this is part of the problem with this. Right. Because. Her response. Right. I, I can't really have a problem with it because I'm not number one, I'm not by bi- being like biracial is not, I'm not a biracial person. So I don't know what navigating that identity is about is, is like, right? Two, I think that what she is saying about her not saying we because she personally is not in danger. I think the sentiment of that is true, right? Um, but I think what she was also saying in her statement is that she's still supportive right or or supports you know these issues now i don't really have much to say about that as i do the topic to me is like is it people's like duty to speak up when they're in certain positions right like some like if if you're a person that is white passing right Mm -hmm. do you have extra pressure on you or is it your responsibility right um to kind of advocate for certain issues. I don't know if I want to say more, not obviously not because of your skin tone. What I'm referring to is what we talk about is kind of how the messenger is important in certain aspects, right? right? So the reason why white passing is a thing, obviously is because, you know, it was at, at one time, you know, it was something that white people viewed as more acceptable and you could gain access to certain things because of your skin tone. You know what I mean? So I'm looking at it from the perspective of access, meaning that they might be certain people that in front of you, you know, they may pay more attention. They may listen to a Black Lives Matter message. They may hear a perspective that they might not usually hear, right? Um, Because in their mind, it is coming out of a body that does not appear to be black, right? So what I'm asking you is when people are in that position, if they are white passing, right? If you are, and I was, I was look wrote down a bunch of people. If you are Rashida Jones or Jennifer Beal or Shamar Moore or Derek Jeter, is it? Do you feel like it's their those people's responsibility to advocate when they're
0: in certain rooms? I don't know if it's their obligation. Um, it would be helpful, you know. I, that's, yeah. I I totally feel like it would be helpful because, like we we all know. It's not about just the message, but it's also coming across or it's also how the message is related, or how the message right. comes across or who the messenger is. So right. you and I could be saying the same thing or trying to deliver a message and it may fall on deaf ears. And if one of our white counterparts says it uh, or someone like you said, you know, is whose skin is more favorable or or whatever, you know, um, you know, term you would want to use the message may be more receptive right. so um i'm not i'm never going to say that it's someone that you know it's their obligation because i don't know what anyone's individual history is you know or what right. their particular black or white or whatever their ethnic experience has been um, because we all know that everyone's racial experience is different you know mm-hmm. uh, she talks about how she had a completely different not upbringing but like due to her phenotypical um, appearance that her and her brother had two different experiences in school where she was, again, wasn't bullied as frequently or wasn't a target of racially motivated, you know, aggression where her brother was. Her brother, you know, looked if you want to say quote unquote, like he was mixed, but you could see his African-American features. So her brother, mm-hmm. they had two different types of upbringers, two different types of experiences in high school. And I can appreciate, right. honestly, um, her being so candid about it. You know, a lot of people would, you know, make them uncomfortable. Some individual would dance around it and come up with excuses, become defensive. And she's very forthcoming regarding, you know, hey, this is, um, you know, one of the advantages, like she said, as far as being, you know, of her complexion of her skin tone. But she said it also comes with other disadvantages. So I think, like you said, when people, one, are coming at her, you know, in an ignorant tone and saying, well, you don't claim this, you don't X, Y, and Z, you don't know what her history is, right? There's a situation where, yeah, maybe she won't be, maybe she's not susceptible to violence because of the racist, you know, authority figure says, oh, well, you know what? I'm you look white, so I'm, I don't have an issue with you. But then at the same time, like she said in her childhood, the the identity issue comes to, to the forefront. So you never know what anyone's experience is. And so, um, you know, I feel like it's helpful to have those people on the front lines with us advocating with us as a resource um, just because of their words may be able to carry in addition to us um, being out there. But I'm I'm not going to go as far as to say that oh well they they have to right they're obligated to as an inventory but it's it's definitely helpful to have their you know their assistance on it.
1: I mean I would I would agree I wouldn't even add anything I think helpful. Um, I got another question for you like along those lines right so this isn't exactly the same. Um. I don't even know if it's similar, but let's say it might be parallel, right? right. Um, Well, I guess that's similar, but (laughs) but it's late, late, man, and I'm not getting paid. All right, so listen, we often put that standard right on ourselves, though, right? right? When we look at, like, Black medical doctors, Black lawyers, Black police officers, right? Black prosecutors, Black CEOs. You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. When there's an issue with law enforcement, right, we often go down the rabbit hole when we get to the point like, yo, where the black, black cops at, what they got to say about it, right? Um, so I'm, what I'm saying is in our professions, right, and I was going to ask you specifically, like, do you feel that type of pressure, right, as a black psychologist, right, that when issues of race come up that touch mental health and you're the one in the room? Right, whether it's a historical issue or a current issue, do you feel like you gotta address it?
0: Um or do you feel pressure? Speak, I I feel for me personally and professionally, I'm gonna speak on it for the reason that one, um, it affects me, uh, just for because I am, you know, because I am black, and two, mm-hmm. I have the knowledge, right? I've been fortunate enough where I've been able to obtain knowledge and information that can speak to this. That's something that can be helpful. So I feel like, you know, in order for me to help the situation, if not on a global scale, but at least within the immediate environment, like whether I'm in a treatment team room or whether I'm, you know, on the, on the floor, or if I'm in front of a group of people, yeah, I, you know what? Yeah. I've been given this information and this title for a reason. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to speak on, okay, this is how it's affecting our mental health. This is what the black lives matter or whatever the situation may be. Um, so for me, yeah, I feel like I don't want to use the word obligated, but I'm going to absolutely, Use that as an opportunity to speak up and to advocate or or whatever the situation calls for. I would never look at, say, if there was like another black doctor or a black nurse or whoever else was in the room and say a situation that was posed to us or like like you're mentioning I'm not going to be like look at him and be like come on brother where you at like yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna hold <laughs> you know what I mean? like I'm not gonna hold him to that same standard because I don't again I don't know what his experience is you know he may not have had the same experience mm. with police or he may not have mm. had it would be nice to have that additional support um, right. Because, again, you know, there's a lot of misinformation, stereotypes, racial like just, like the list goes on and on. Right. And we'll we'll get into more of that, especially in the discussion, you know, a couple days from now. Um, but I will look at the other person and say, like, you know, I would hope but I can't force that person. I'm not going to be like I'm not going to call that person's um, blackness in the question or say anything of that nature, because I don't know what that person has done. Ex, you know, experienced and maybe they're not as comfortable or, right. you know, so, but me, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up and, um, they're going, they're going to get learned today. You know, you go get some information. How about well, you? I me
1: mean, and I mean, that's why I asked, right? Because the same way, while we were talking about Halsey, we was like, it's, it's, it would be helpful. Right. And it's not an obligation, but it's a choice. And, and I would do the same thing. Right. Um, and I would, I don't want to say I would feel an obligation, but I would feel a strong motivation to do it. Right. Why? Because in my, my opinion, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, the knowledge that we have, right. Affords us a certain privilege, right. Of having this platform. Right. Um, the knowledge that we have a sort affords us a certain privilege to have this platform to even be in that room. Right. Um, and I know that I can't really guarantee that if I'm not in that room, that there's going to even be somebody replacing me. Right. So that's that to me. That's why I kind of feel the added motivation. Um, and that's just why I asked. I'm, I'm not saying that to, to to shame her in any way, because like I said before, um, if anything, this really seemed like a misguided person, the person that targeted her with the tweet. Right. Because her own history says, you know, um, that she's, you know, been on the ground putting, you know, putting in the work like, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to know what your experience, what, what that was, because, you know, like we always kind of go to that, right? Like, well, what are those people, what are the people that look like us in those positions? You know, like what are they, what are they saying? You know? Um, so, um, you know, again, I wouldn't say it was an obligation, but I would feel a strong motivation to speak yeah. up.
0: I mean, I feel like that's one of the reasons why we got in this, right? Why we got in this right. field, why we have this position to be able to utilize that, to educate, to inform. I mean, it's, it's something where, like, this is the only way that things are going to change, where you have individuals such as ourselves that are educated, that have resources, that are able to, you know, articulate information and dispel all of the, the BS that's been spewed for generations, so yeah. I feel like, like you said, not obligated, strong motivation, and I feel like, hey, you know what, like, yeah, who else but us to do it?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you know? we we trying.
0: Yeah, we're yeah, we gonna get. They're gonna hear us out, whether they like it or not. <laughs> all right, all right. And so finally, we're taking it back to high school. All right. Yeah. So over there, uh, speaking of Jersey and Voorhees, okay, Jersey stand up. All right. All right.
1: Uh, I know about Why he- well, not? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to everybody in boy Heath,
0: shout, man, out Voorhees, somebody, shout out to Boye, man. Shout out. to South Jersey.
1: Here we go. For for somebody unlike the video because of that. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so a high school valedictorian was in the middle of giving a speech about being uh queer, in mental health, and the principal took the mic. All right. I'm gonna tell you mm-hmm. how this. I'm gonna tell you how this. This all um. <laughs> came to play because <laughs> it sounds wild just uh, to say that. right Yeah, I, I
1: don't mean to laugh, but it's just because I
0: read the article. Man, it's crazy. Man, it's like right. a movie. Are we go. I'm going to tell you a play-by-play of how this unfolded. All right. So, 18-year-old Bryce Dersham, I hope that's correct, who graduated from Eastern Regional High School in Voorhees. So he originally wrote a speech about being queer and dealing with mental health issues. However, his principal told him to change it. So. Price said he has spent months in treatment uh, for anorexia and didn't even know whether he was going to be able to graduate, let alone become valedictorian. He says, as soon as I heard that I was valedictorian, I knew I really wanted to talk about my story and ending the silence on mental health struggles and really giving queer people a voice and letting people know uh, no matter who you are, you're not alone. All right. So two days before graduation, his principal emailed him. And uh, he emailed him and told him, said, if you don't submit a new speech, you wouldn't be able to uh, he's not going to be allowed to speak. He was told that his graduation speech was not his therapy session, which is uh, pretty damn hurtful. Um, And he said that they told me to take out all the references of me being queer. They told me to take out all the personal details of me going to treatment. They didn't want me to say that I was queer because they said it would exclude people in the audience. All right. So he had to revise his speech again. All right. So, Dave graduation walked up to the podium with a copy of the unapproved speech that he had written and he began to read it. All right. But about a minute into the speech, his principal walked up to the podium and took the microphone and crumpled up his paper. All right. So he went up to him. And this is also also on YouTube. Right. This is wild. So he went up there, crumpled the paper up and, you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, so he goes up to him, like he gives, you know, he leans into him and he he has the paper and he pointed at the speech that he wrote for him. Right. That that his principal basically wrote for him and said, yo, read this and nothing else. And so after that, they kind of had another guy come up and put like a different mic and play it off like it was a microphone issue. Right. That's why the, you know. That's why the voice going out because when he was talking, they cut his mic. It, like it went straight out. Yeah. So yeah, it's wild. So that's when he went up there and told him, and he snatched the speech, balled it up, and said, "Yo, you have to write this speech and nothing else." Um, and did a fake microphone swatch swap out like that was the issue. So instead of reading their pro speech that was left at the podium, he tried to recite his other speech from memory, and at the end of it, he received a standing ovation. So, what is your take on this, Jay? This is some wild stuff, brother.
1: I mean, first of all, we got to put some respect on Bryce's name because he continued his speech from memory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He went went right back to his speech and finished it from memory. So, listen, I tell people all the time, these are not the same adolescents and teenagers. I know it sounds like I sound like an old man, like get off my lawn. Yep, but sometimes just,
0: just say hip too. Go ahead, say hip.
1: Uh, no, nah, I ain't saying that. It could work in good or bad ways sometimes, but these are not the same teenagers and adolescents. And if you do not show them respect, a lot of them are not going to show you respect. You know, um, I'm not mad at them um, because again, you know, um, like Brother John Lewis said, this is good. This is good trouble, right? Um, So respect on his name for, you know, reciting the rest of the speech. Um, I kind of. Again, I don't understand it because of like a lot of the reasons they gave. Mm. Right. Because if we looked, they said they didn't want him to talk about mental health because it wasn't therapy. And, you know, you know, they didn't want him to talk about him identifying as queer. If you would to look like these are educators right and if you were to look at the number one issue that children are most children are going to identify it's going to be stress right <laughs> um it's going to be anxiety right it's going to be issues related to their relationships school family every all all of the things that are going to directly impact their mental health right or vice versa right um So for somebody, you know, talking about how they overcame mental health challenges, number one, that just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Right. Because, you know, in this school in every school in America, they got pamphlets all around talking about if you have a mental health problem, seek help, uh, uh, connect to your social network, talk to others. Right. right. Um, So the
0: school counselor,
1: all, all of that. Right. Right. So so for the school's position to be that. Official speeches can only talk about educational experiences and the future of students. Again, that doesn't fit because mental health is going to fit right into educational experiences when we talk about stress. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and then we were talking about the future of students in this context, when we're talking about, you know, the George Floyd murder <laughs> occurring, Um and how that has motivated students of all ages, of all races, you know, to engage on a civic level in a variety of different ways. I don't understand their argument. They don't have one, you know. You know. Um, so obviously it's probably most likely uh, there's a conservative leaning school board or district or whatever, and he's trying to appease them. This has went viral. He's probably gonna pay with his job. Um, and he should, because personally, um as the principal right if you can't stand up you know whether it be to the school superintendent whoever and say listen these are the values that we're that we're trying to kind of structure for our children to to look at right these are the values that we talk about right if you can't stand up and you're you're kind of like being a coward just following marching orders then you 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 pay what you pay with your job because this this is going viral Mm -hmm. and the school is going to You know, they're going to put out a bulletin saying, oh, we're going to look at the issue, make the necessary changes, and then they're going to fire him.
0: Yeah, um, this this appears to be discrimination. Let's just kind of start off with that. Um, And it really appears that they're trying to put this this kid in his place. Right. He's 18 years old. Right. Right. right? It seems like they're trying to put him in his place. Um, And like you said, this generation is different. You know they don't they don't just go along with things. Listen, they 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 buck back. You know they're and if I always thought and was under the impression that um, a valedictorian speech is supposed to be related to that individual's personal journey, right? That his personal journey through high school and what are some of the things that contributed to that and in his speech, he was trying to highlight how mental health impacted his journey, how it was a part of it. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, when you try to, you know, manhandle, which is what they did, I mean, they took a very aggressive approach um, by going up there, cutting the mic off, he runs up there, takes the speech, physically says, they had him rewrite things. I mean, this just reinforces, you know, that feeling or that message that you should hide your identity right? Despite what we're saying in, in health class or all these pamphlets and all these other different, you know, PSAs that schools and school districts start to promote, we're saying, guess what? Do not talk about your personal life. Do not talk about, you know, the barriers that you've overcome. And we want you to just hide your identity because if it's not something that, you know, we find favorable, well then no, we don't want to hear it. And it, it, it seemed like it was just a multitude of things that he experienced. He, I mean, he wanted uh, he wore the um, uh, the pride flag uh, over his his graduation gown. And he was told immediately by um, the administrator that the principal wanted him to take it off. And right. there's no real dress code um, as far as graduation. Like many people wear whatever they want, you know, underneath their, their cap and gown and people decorate their their caps and gowns now. So mm-hmm. for him to just have the flag drapped right over, like it every step of the way, this kid was getting told and was getting censored. And you know, then these kids again like aren't gonna be receptive to that, and nor should they, you know. I'm not saying you need to cause a riot or anything of that nature. However, if you've already elected that he this is the valedictorian, so obviously he's done well academically, sure. right? He he's so this is the one you're choosing to represent the school. So but every step of the way, you're, he's getting resistance. And this is the type of thing that can cause any form of a mental health relapse, Like, because you don't know, again, what he spoke of. He's been in treatment, anorexia, all the other different things that he's experienced. And you don't know with him getting that backlash or getting that that lack of support. And that resistance from the administration. Right. This is the people who are supposed to be governing your school body. You don't know what that could have did to him, because that's the thing I'm thinking. Right. Another individual may not have had the strength to say, you know, what, I'm going to read it anyway. I mean, what for that to happen in front of everyone? What if he would have had a crisis? Mm-hmm. What if he would have had a maladaptive or a negative reaction to that? So the, the it was just mishandled the whole way. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that um I mean, I never want to wish, you know, negative things upon any type of organization. However, this needs to be investigated, especially because his civil rights were violated. Um and during his uh after his, his standing ovation, he had people coming up to him and you know saying hey you know how courageous he was there was a parent that had lost their child um due to suicide and said hey you know what i wish they either i mean it was it touched so many different people which is the point Mm -hmm. of a speech right right (laughs) so um yeah this was mishandled in every step of the way um shout out to to bryce um he's going to be attending tufts university for uh, for college um toughs i think i'm saying that right i don't know it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's um, tough. yeah well he's he's a tough guy how about that um, <laughs> <a> tuffs. Tuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah so shout out to him because uh that took a, a tremendous amount of, of strength on his part to um you know regather himself and still go forward with his speech um so i'm happy that he was able to walk in his purpose and speak his truth um but this was just mishandled all the way through by by this uh by this school and by this principal like you're right he's gonna definitely be the fall guy and he's he's gonna lose his job and rightfully so
1: i mean the only thing i'll say like the last thing i'll really say about this is um you know, it kind of seemed like the principal was more offended than the audience and his peers. So that's kind of a little crazy. Um, and again, like with a lot of things, you know, the signaling is is being a coward, right? So if if that's how you feel, then just stand up as a school and say we don't support LGBTQA students. Mm-hmm. Say that. Say we don't want them here. They don't want to do that. Right. They don't
0: want that smoke. They don't want right, that. Right, <laughs>
1: because they do because they don't want the federal government either right. taking money back. Or or putting a boot up there, you know what? You know, and putting pressure on them, right? Mm-hmm. But my thing is, you're sending out all kinds of dog whistles saying, we don't want you here, right? So stand on it, right? But they don't want to stand on it. I'm sure if you put a microphone at the principal's in his face and said, do you support LGBTQA students? What do you think his response would be, Dr. Osborne?
0: No, you know, he's going, he's going to dodge and dance with that. Right. Uh, yeah, he's, he's so, not going
1: to have, so have any conviction on that. So all I'm saying is forget all the dog whistles. If this is how you if these are just all the signals you're going to send to the students, then. Just say it right, because what if another student wanted to talk about how, you know, the murder of George Floyd impacted them and they their advocacy for that? Right. And racial trauma and how racial trauma had impacted them. OK, that's not necessarily the an educational experience or has nothing to do with the future of the students, or it might have something to do with all of their future. right. So what would be the response then? You know, because that might not include everybody in the audience. Right.
0: There you go. If Mm -hmm. they don't
1: agree or they're not a person of color, it might not include them.
0: After effect of this is that this is what, um, destroys any type of relationship or any type of trust or rapport that a student body can have with, you know, um, with a school district or with a school or with administration, because if you're willing to go to these lengths to censor and keep this speech from happening, then why should I, as a kid, if I'm struggling with anxiety, if I'm struggling with any type of, why should I bring it to your, to the forefront? Why should I come and seek help from the school where obviously you don't have our best interests. You've already, no. you went through all extreme lengths to make sure that this didn't happen and to humiliate this kid. Cause that's what they t- that attempted to do. So if yeah. I'm a junior or a sophomore, I'm not going, you know, I'm, this is, no, I'm, I'm not going to go down the hall and go talk to the nurse or go talk to the counselor. Because, for what? You've demonstrated yeah. that you're not supportive of mental health. So, um so we'll yeah we'll continue to monitor this like again um i believe that there there should be you know an additional or an ongoing investigation because you know like you said this is government this is civil rights um were affected by this so um and discrimination was very present so we'll see but um wish bryce all the best of luck as he continues to um his his academic studies and we'll see what happens over there in Voorhees. no doubt no doubt all right So anything else before we sign off? Good brother.
1: Not really, man. Just, uh, you know, of course, we want to thank everybody for the support, um, for listening, continuing to share the videos, like the videos. Um, We really appreciate it. Um, Definitely humbled by it. Um, We're going to keep putting the content out.
0: Absolutely. So episode 22. That's right, guys. Continue to like, watch, subscribe. We're on all... um, podcast streaming platforms and uh also we want to hear from you so comment and then also if you have any questions email us at the black psychologist podcast at gmail.com you know jay and I are always you know we're we're making people famous you know for the folks that we've already put out here you know with the questions so um you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah absolutely definitely uh we appreciate the support episode 22 and we'll see you on episode 23 all right jack
1: Later, bro. All
0: right, bro.